Hello, everybody. Welcome to the brand new episode of your absolute favorite podcast. Tied for your absolute favorite podcast. You're right. Tied. Tied. Uh, but am I wrong? This is us. No, not this. This is. <laughs> <laughs> but am I wrong? This is us recap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only here for the final few episodes. I've never watched a full episode of either. <laughs> it's like truly like no shade to that show, but it's truly my worst nightmare show. It's like the the trope of cancer movies in a TV show where it's like, yes. I am going to make a television show so sad you will cry every episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, hard pass. Yeah. And see, like, I like Grey's Anatomy where I can cry every episode, but it's because of like people that won't be there the next week. So it's good. This is us. You're you're with them through decades, <laughs> decades of trauma. And I'm like, not for me. Great show. Mm-hmm. Not for me. No, without a doubt. Like you can only get me to watch one of those shows when you con me. So a show like Parenthood. I thought Parenthood from the initial season, I thought it was and with the people involved, I thought it was a comedy. Oh, I me was too. like, that looks like a comedy because most of the actors on it were comedic actors. And then I watched and I was like, I did not come here for this. <laughs> I did not consent to be emotionally damaged in that right. way. And they just, they throw it in at like, I forget what season that they're just like, your heart, let's shatter it. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I thought this is a fun, lighthearted television show about a family. Still such a good show. Um, I guess we should introduce ourselves if you're new here. My name is Megan. What is your name? My name's Melissa Diamond Mont. And um, together, we are two people who have never been wrong about anything in their entire lives. So we decided to start a podcast where we tell all of you when you are wrong. Because <laughs> why not? So on this show, we are going to share things that have happened in our lives uh, in recent time or hot takes. And we'll decide if we think that we were right or wrong. And then we will get some uh, emails from you decided who we think was wrong in that situation. And then we're going to talk about pop culture, celebrities, things that are currently going on in the world and do the exact same thing. And then you can head on over to our Instagram stories and vote on who you think was wrong. Those will be up tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it'll be up Friday. I don't want to make any promises. Yeah, let's not make any promises. (laughs) I currently have just, you know, it's been a lot. It'll be up before the next episode. It will be up before. We can guarantee. I would also like to note that I, like, go me for managing to get them up, like, the, the time that we're recording this. The Friday, last Friday that I posted all of those, I managed to post them all before I got the call from Mott saying, hey, I'm in the ER. So it was the most on time I had been for the only day where I actually had an excuse to not be on time. This is true. This is very true. I did not expect it to go up. Yeah. Hear more about that in this week's episode of Don't Blame Me, which came out Tuesday. Tuesday. I mean, sorry, which came out Monday. <laughs> I was like, are we pushing the show? I said that very confidently. If only we had video for this episode with my face. I was like, I literally have no podcasts that come out on Tuesday. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure. We're recording right now on a Tuesday. Yeah. So that's weird. That's funny. So what's new with you? You know, it's been very warm. We have like a heat advisor going on right now in Los Angeles. So I've been, I know, but I've been sitting outside. Yesterday, I was supposed to direct an audio book and there were some technical difficulties on the engineer's side. Mm -hmm. And so 
I didn't. So I was like, oh, it's nice outside. I'm going to go sit. And so that's the first time I sat outside and I just worked all day and I was very productive. That's so nice. I didn't even know it was hot outside <laughs> until I literally got like a heat advisory warning on my phone. Well, it's from Alexa, so that's why. But it got a, oh, an advisor. It's like it's going to be that to like the 11th, I think. Yeah, Mats told me that today and I forgot about it. And then I went to go move his car and I was like, the fuck? And I looked and it was yeah. like, high of 89 this week. And I was like, what? So weird. Well, I'm happy for you and your vitamin D. <laughs> Thank Get you. Get that D. <laughs> I wish. How are you doing? You know, <laughs> I'm okay. I've been a little stressed the long COVID thing has been wrecking me and long COVID paired with ADHD has been wrecking me. And so Mats has picked up like a lot of the slack and he's like very good at just like doing all of that shit. And then he broke his right hand. <laughs> and so yeah. now I have to pick up uh, said slack. Yes. And it is like when I tell you that I was supposed to get groceries on Friday, it is Tuesday. And every day, you just get them delivered. That's what I'm supposed to do, but I keep forgetting because I have so much other. I have so much work that I have to do. I have like a brand deal that I've been editing and like filming and doing all of this shit, and then my brain just like doesn't work. And uh, we've just had to get like order in food like every single night. So I have my fucking Instacart open in the other window, and I'm going okay. to order it tonight. But it has been, okay. it has been rough, and I've also just, uh, you know, been able to see <laughs> the extreme stubbornness and like ego that comes along with like a white straight man needing to ask for help, mm -hmm. and I'm like letting him try. Obviously, I don't want to like mommy him or like have him not feel like he has like agency or independence in doing stuff but there are some things that I'm like let's like you can do it yourself but if you're gonna like go put your pants on in the morning because he has this fat cast like you're gonna go put your pants on in the morning sit down and do it like from the bed don't hobble around on one foot and like sway and side to side up. yeah and, and then he's like holding the arm up and I'm just like no you're gonna fall and eat shit and like that's not okay yeah and uh he's also dealing with health insurance stuff now similar issues and then he was like saying he's like it's not even as bad as your stuff and I'm just like so frustrated so that's been the deal thankfully we have like people who can like take him to like work and stuff when he like sprung it on me this morning he was like hey can you take me to work in 15 minutes and I was like I just took my Adderall and I drank my coffee like I will shit myself <laughs> if I drive you to work and it was like he's like well okay what I'm like you need to get a ride with somebody else like you gotta let me prepare ahead of time so I can wake up early because like I'll shit myself on the drive over and that's not really how I want to start my day <laughs> no so that has been my current state that's that's been my life can't wait to hear his perspective oh yeah it's not good so we should read the results from last week all right. So the first thing is, but am I wrong? And the thing that I said was showing other people's dating profiles on social media. Who was wrong? 14% said me. 86% said people who show them. There was a lot of people who like either felt strongly uh, on your side or the people who were like, I'm with Megan. We're like, I don't like morally think that it's like a morally sound thing. But like my pettiness is like, Fuck these men. But I would, yeah, hate if they did it to women. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, next up we have me versus uh, saying that your kink is dating someone that looks like a Republican slash code switching. 6% said me, and then 94% of people said people who say this shit. Can I read a message that somebody sent? Yeah. And I would like to have a crack at answering before you do. Okay. The gist of this person's message was they compared it to when you said that your type was a former frat boy or president of uh-huh. a frat that... Oh, chosen vagina. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the difference between the two, there's a lot of differences, but one is that what Megan was saying is a very specific description of mods. Like, it's not a generalized physical description. It is a very specific description. <laughs> and so it's not the same thing. And then they also, like, asked us to talk about, like, our types in a way that like, you know, like when we discuss our types, there's just like ways that they can come off in a negative way. And I'm just like, it's not the same because like when I talk about my type, I'm not talking about a physical trait. I'm talking about things that I'm attracted to to them. And yes, my type is people that I find attractive, but that doesn't mean that other people find attractive. It's not, again, not the same yeah thing. no I, I read that message too and it was one of the things about being like someone saying that like being a tra- like a preference for masculine men but like masculinity is a construct like what is masculinity right. and also there's a large difference between me saying that my type is like a former frat but like literally me describing moth but also that's not mm-hmm. statistically not like a very clearly a racial preference because yes. also mm-hmm. racial preferences are for white people. If you're a white person with a racial preference, that's just called racism. <laughs> like, yes. And if you said that, like without even talking about Mott's, even though I knew that you were specifically talking about Mott's, I wouldn't have like automatically gone to white person. And so like when you say Republican, that is such a broad, that's not a specific thing. It's very broad. And she showed her white boyfriend. And she showed her white boyfriend. (laughs) And again, you wouldn't have said that was your type before you dated Mott. No. You were just making a specific observation of who you exactly ended up with. Yeah. And also, like, there is a very large difference between hearing someone say something and attributing that to being like, oh, my mind goes to that is something that is inherently masculine versus something that's more feminine versus someone specifically saying, I don't like feminine men. I like my men masculine. That one of those Mm -hmm. things is something that you are inferring based on your own implications or your own feelings towards a statement. The other is like a literal just like statement, statement. I think like when you get into like preferences based on like my preferences of someone who I date, like Preferences are, you know what, like I prefer sweet potato fries, but regular fries are also great. Like I I really mm-hmm. like them, but like, oh, I'd prefer to have this shirt in blue, but it's also really cute in pink. Like it's not like a, I refuse to do it. Like I, I'm cutting out an entire, it's not like an intolerance. <laughs> like I'm like, I mm-hmm. can't have dairy. I'm not going to have dairy. Like a preference is something that is just a, you'd prefer that one thing over the other thing. And I also just think that like someone's dating preferences are, yes, like a very like personal kind of like thing. 
But when you show your white boyfriend who has no defining characteristics that like make him look like, quote unquote, a Republican, other than the fact that he is a white guy, like you can't be shocked when like that gets backfire. Right. All right. Next one. Writer number one versus her sister who makes digs at her. Two percent said the writer. Ninety eight percent said her sister. You know, that's always the ones that I'm like, that seems maybe an accident. But who knows for the other people? Then we have writer number two versus their boyfriend who wanted to hang out on their quote-unquote anniversary. 87% said their boyfriend, 13% said the writer, and an update, the writer and the boyfriend very quickly broke up afterwards. Oh, I missed that. Did they just send that to you? I think it was on the podcast, or maybe it wasn't. I think we all, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. The next one, writer number three versus their friend who downplays her giving up smoking. 2% said the writer and 98% said their friend was wrong. Anyone who thinks the writer is wrong. (laughs) That feels like a... (laughs) What the fuck? Okay. Then we have writer number four versus their anti-vax roommate. 1% said the writer was wrong. 99% said the roommate. So only eight people voted for that. And I'm assuming some of them were wrong, like said they voted wrong. Mm -hmm. A couple of these, I just always go immediately to... um, Anyone who's blonde who voted for it. And I'm like, let's see. Didn't get a message. (laughs) Didn't see that you said you did it wrong. Then my wrong of the week was people hating on Julia Fox. 8% said Julia Fox. 92% said everyone else. And there was some, again, like that kind of interesting discourse of some people who are like, she's taking advantage of like a mentally ill man. And again, the thing I will say that like, I think that unless you are his clinician and his psychiatrist, or you are someone who struggle, you are someone with his exact diagnosed disorders or mental issues. If you are not like that, just be very careful saying things like that because it can imply that people who are not mentally well aren't deserving of love or like can't find people and anyone who dates them is like taking advantage of that because if he is bipolar, which I don't know if he's like... He said that. It's been diagnosed. Yeah. And he he talks about like being on his meds and being yeah. off his meds and how things are different. Yeah. That like even when someone is like in a low point of their bipolar, whether that's like depressive or manic, that like making sure that we still treat those people with humanity and his issues as like shit that he said and like all like that kind of stuff separating that from making broad statements about like bipolar disorder or people with mental health issues because like you know you we all know somebody like that even if you don't personally know that they've been diagnosed with that kind of stuff but yeah i started watching her instagram stories and i'm just like trying i'm just like so fascinated just fascinated i am not and don't like her that's valid and i'll stand by that stand by it stand by it all right wrong of the week christian karen's and kevin's who's wrong karen's and kevin's with a little cross and then that was 97 percent. and then uh three percent says i stand toxic religion some people said they voted wrong and then some people didn't so take that take that for what it is. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to, again, vote for this coming episode, head on over to our Instagram. It is linked in the show notes, and you can vote after the show is up. Hopefully with the next day, but, you know, it'll be before the next show. And then go follow us while you're there, because I have spent a lot of time making it cute. Yeah, it looked great. So my, but am I wrong? It's a bold statement. I'm just going to say it. Okay. The upper middle class might be worse than the upper class. And I'm not talking about billionaires and all of that sort of stuff. 
But I have gotten into it with the upper middle class on TikTok because I stitched a video of someone saying, don't say these things if you like, basically just like things that people say that out them as having grown up wealthy if they're like trying to hide it. And this person like wasn't like giving tips on like how to hide. Like it was again, like the narrative of class, like income differences in childhood and things you associate with wealth growing up. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people who decided to tell me that I grew up in poverty and on food stamps, which I didn't, and that all of the things that I were describing were just like middle class things, which then I had to explain to them. I was like, well, no, I mean, if we're talking like I don't ever associate like my childhood upbringing with being low income because it is so specific to where I grew up. Yeah. And also low income, middle class, the wealthy. It also differs between like what region you're in as well. A hundred percent. The cost of living. There are other things that factor in. So it. I don't relate to people who grew up low income in other areas. Like that's I don't associate myself with growing up low income because like the things that are synonymous with growing up low income in most other places are like not my experience at all. And as far as I know, we were never on like states, like like government support or anything like that. It's just mostly based on like in Marin, like if you are making under, I posted like the TikTok showing the screenshot, but like if for like a family of three, if you're making under like $115,000 a year, you're low income. And that is middle class and like pretty much like right in the middle towards the upper end of middle class most other places. But for like the national average of middle class, it starts at about, and again, these are all like speculated numbers because it really truly depends, like you said, on the cost of living where you are and like your state and how much they pay for those jobs there and all of that. Like it's so much more specific state to state, but even specifically city to city and county to county. But the amount of people who like refuse to align themselves with being upper class or rich or wealthy. And again, like I didn't say I'm going to come EU. I'm not comparing you to Jeff Bezos. Like I've seen your Instagram profile. Like I know you're not Jeff Bezos. Like, come on. Like we all, we all know that those billionaires make up such a small, there's so few of them and they make up like, yes, they dominate all of that shit. But like people fall below that who are still very, very well off and rich and that they were like, no, no, it's middle class. You were just poor. And I could be like, well, no, I mean, like if we're going on like, you know, the national average, like I grew up middle class and they're like, no, no, it's low middle class then. And so you just need to consider yourself like low income and low class. And I was like, well, let's low class is not the synonym for that. I was like, but if you're on the very opposite end of that, why are you not then being like you have to be associated with like rich and upper class and like recognize that that you align with that? if not more than like middle class. And it was like, no, 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 no. And so it's this like extreme aversion. The fact that people are even arguing about this is ridiculous. And it just shows just how much people don't understand how the economy works, how money works. It's just ridiculous. Well, and it's something that it's like, I totally understand that everyone who's not a billionaire needs to come together and like fucking take down those massive corporate. I I understand that. Like, I'm very aligned with that. But when you want to other yourselves from these very, very rich people while simultaneously othering yourselves from people who you're saying are like the same income class as you and you're saying all that and you're saying like, no, 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 that's poor. That's absolute poverty without addressing the fact that I'm like, then the people who grew up in poverty, come on. Like there is like, if you want to talk about like the middle class is like fully dying, but specifically 
someone even said like the the thing that was like driving me crazy is they were like there's no difference like if you're making less than $350,000 a year like we're all the same until like you start making a million dollars a year and truly the difference between making let's say a family of 3 the difference between a family of 3 making $38,000 a year and a family of 3 making $100,000 a year that is a bigger life change than you making a hundred thousand dollars a year to making a million dollars a year. Like yeah. with that, you're taking away things. You're taking away like necessary living expenses and like life things, and then you're just adding. Like when you get richer, mm-hmm. you are just adding to your already existing experience. But like, no, just just yeah. no. I mean, but that's like part of the rhetoric that a lot of politicians who make this a political thing want you to believe like those people that consider themselves I don't know it's not as bad as it was I'd say like in the 90s but fiscal republicans because then when you say things like tax the rich people think that they're talking about these people that are making you know what's considered you know like $150,000 when it's not at all that's not what tax the rich means and that's part of the confusion which again words matter and we're not being educated on these things for a reason yeah and i think people feel there's some weird chip on their shoulder for these people who grew up financially more privileged than other people but i think it goes to the difference of having everything that you needed but wanting things and like wanting to have these other things so that feels like that's like frustrating and doesn't feel attainable and like you want that and you're like I want what they have like fuck that versus people who weren't getting all of their basic needs met and who like needed things Mm -hmm. and like that is like a difference in that in that like once everybody's needs are met like that's the goal like that's the absolute goal but like when we can all think that these corporations, everything is evil. (laughs) Like we all do like, yes, tax the rich, all of that shit. But if you cannot like address your own financial privilege in the context of how many Americans are living underneath, like below the poverty line and being like, well, no, I, it's only, it's the only people that matter are these like very, very, very rich people. Yes. In the context of like the economy and like how to fix that, 100%. But in like social conversations, when you compare your life and say we're the same to somebody who grew up below the poverty line, like just acknowledge the privilege, like just acknowledge and like the difference Mm -hmm. of it. It just opens your eyes so much to also like how long it takes for you to recognize that, like how long it takes for you to meet people who challenge your idea of what you thought you grew up as like income wise growing up and like these things that were like very realistic to other people that felt so far fetched. Like, but it's just, it's okay. Like nobody's mad at you that your parents made money. Like it's fine. Like, don't worry. You're not a victim here. And it just felt like the upper middle class felt so personally attacked and victimized. It's ridiculous. (laughs) People who grew up like with money, they're like, yeah, no, my family had money. Like, yeah, we were good. But the upper middle class, like, no, no, we were just like, we were comfortable. You were really poor. And I'm like, Noah, okay. I don't understand these people. I don't. I don't either. There's nothing wrong with growing up upper middle class. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I grew up like that and I don't have that same (laughs) (laughs) mentality. Like, I know what my privilege was and I understand that there are different, you know, economic situations that people are in and we can't compare these things and 
anytime anyone just like gets so upset about it, I'm like, you've never met somebody who wasn't in your economic bracket or above you. Like you've never mm-hmm. interacted with anyone else on this level because like it's just a culture shock. And it like yeah. people get like so defensive of it. So what is what is your but am I wrong? My but am I wrong? It's very lighthearted, but Valentine's Day from when this is airing, it would have happened a couple days ago. But like the commercial commercialization of it. I like Valentine's Day as a holiday, even though it does pull away from like one of the biggest holidays of the year, Mm -hmm. my birthday. And I think it's, you know, celebrating love. I think that's beautiful. And it's a color scheme that we both love. Yes. Also to go on top of that, like I in school, like I didn't like buying Valentine's Day cards. I'd make personal handwritten cards for everyone in my class. Like people love them. And I just feel like we should be, you know, embracing the love and not the commercialization of it. Mainly Build-A-Bear. I'm looking (gasps) at you. They have launched just in time for Valentine's Day after dark series of like horny teddy bears what the (laughs) fuck the ad for it is this like lion that's lying on his side and he has like a perfectly trimmed mane into a heart and he's wearing a little silk robe on top of a fluffy rug with a rose in front of it and also a couple flutes of champagne in front of a fire. And so they're like, stuffed animals aren't just for kids. And so like you can go into Build-A-Bear after dark, build your own little stuffed animal that is, I guess, a little bit sexy. I just want to say that this line, that's like a crisp fade on the lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's crispy. So, yeah. Like, they're trying to make the lion look sexy. I am so uncomfortable. I might cry. (laughs) This is so funny to me. Because you know that was half of my, like, what my, like, caption when I did that TikTok about, like, the, like, wealth and stuff was, like, that it was, like, damn, you got that Build-A-Bear money. And, like, that's, like, Build-A-Bear is, like, that was, like, one of the conversations of it. So it is so perfect. Like, what the fuck? You can get a bear and have it like have like little heart boxers on. You can get like really corny ones that have a a t-shirt that says it's like wine o'clock somewhere. Oh, There's more. There's like one that has this little doggy that has silk pajamas on with fuzzy slippers and there's hearts on the pajamas and they're drinking like a mixed berry seltzer. So like Shut they're the really They're really, really leaning into like millennials, but it just comes out. And by me saying this, I will sound chuggy. It's very (laughs) chuggy. I just want to know what like data testing they did to be like, this is for our audience. Like, what is like the demo for this? I'm sorry. This one has to be my favorite one. I'm saving this photo. I will post this to our Instagram. Is it the bear with the heart? around its head no it is the bear wearing sunglasses and a t-shirt that says i want to take you out but they're like tilting the sunglasses down their nose like they're joey tribbiani and they're hitting on you oh, gosh like that bear's a fuck boy there's one that has a bear that has like you know the the candy heart yeah boxes of chocolate it has like a big cutout that the bear's head is sticking out of. And then he's got on like little black 
tight boxers and holding roses. Wow. This is insane. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's been weird, like, Valentine's Day promos in the past from other companies. Like, one year it was, like, the anniversary of the Big Mac, and they gave out a 18-karat gold Big Mac ring. I'm floored that people do that stuff. I know. Burger King had, a few years ago, had, like, an adult meal as opposed to a kid's meal. And it came with, you know, one of those, like, little head massager things, a face mask to cover your eyes, and then one of those little tickler things for your body. It looks like a duster. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just... The capitalization and girl bossness of like sex, like stop. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so yes. weird. And also Valentine's Day is so like in the mainstream of that stuff is so targeted towards like old married couples, like all the commercials, of, like an old man buying his wife, like a heart necklace, like every kiss mm -hmm. begins with that K. No one wants. No, nobody wants it. I will also yeah. never understand the pe like people who choose to like go out to dinner on Valentine's Day and do things like that because it's just like worse service. It's so crowded, so mm -hmm. busy. Like, I don't even know what Moth and I, like, I think we've done, we did like, no, I think it was our anniversary. Like, I don't think we've ever done like a Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day thing. Like, yeah. sometimes we'll get each other gifts, but like, we'll usually just like order takeout that like fun takeout or like, and watch a movie. But it is a scam. Like, it's such a scam. And like, I love presents. Like, I'm all about presents. Yeah. But like, you're not going to catch me in a fucking crowded restaurant. The only two people that I believe have made it work are Phil and Claire on Modern Family. On every Valentine's Day episode, they'd go dressed as Clive uh -huh. and I forgot what her, her name was, pretending to be other people, picking each other up. I love those episodes. Yeah. It's such a good show. Mm -hmm. Everybody else watching Euphoria is talking about how good Modern Family is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I know yeah. my limits. I won't watch Euphoria either. No, 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 no. Though I'm sure it's wonderful. Okay, so we're going to now head on over to reading some of your submissions for But Are You Wrong? So if you want to send us one, email us at butamiwrongpod at gmail.com. Keep it under 300 words and keep it all anonymous. If you need to use names of people, do some pseudonyms. Let us know your ages, uh, your pronouns, if that is something you would like to let us know. And enough info. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay. Take it away. Hi, Megan and Melissa. For over two years, I've been trying to get a puppy. The breeder I've been in contact with reached out after New Year's and said that they had one pup available because the person he was meant to go home with could not take him anymore. Awesome, right? Fast forward to this weekend, the breeder posts my pup's pictures on her Instagram feed and tags me. The person who was originally going to take him home DMs me telling me that they were meant to take him home with his sister, but due to housing issues, they were only able to bring one pup home. I wasn't sure how to respond, so I said, I'm sorry that you couldn't bring them both home, but no, he's safe here, because what did they want me to say? They asked to stay in touch, and I said yes, because again, what is it they want from me? For a week now, every time I post a picture of him on my story, they swipe up with a little heart eyes emoji or some comment about him. Am I wrong for feeling weird that they're obsessing over my dog and what could have been for them? Am I an asshole for wanting to block them from seeing my stories? P.S. Yes, I attached a pup pic. I'm not evil. Here's my handsome boy, Winston. I think this is weird. <laughs> I am so freaked out about this. You're too nice because I would have not given them like I would have just blocked. I would have never responded. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is weird. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think 
It's odd. Yeah, it's odd. Should I say it? Are you going to say adopt, don't shop? Yep. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Unless you have, like, an allergy or something. and Yeah. I don't know her situation, so I won't say Yeah. It. It's also sometimes people with different, like, emotional support. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it yeah. can be a, a hard thing. So, I feel like we should mention, so people do not get upset. There are people who go through breeders. That is a thing, something that they need to do. And then there are people who go through breeders who is that is not something that they need to do. So this is not a pro dog breeding thing at all. Just like want to say that. So there are lots of dogs in shelters who need homes. So nobody come for us. Yeah. But yeah, I think this is weird. Very weird. I would block them from seeing your story. Yeah, I would block them. And they, and you shouldn't feel sorry for getting the dog that you were signed up to get and they shouldn't have gone into it with the assumption that like what do they expect to be like oh okay come get my dog no fuck you yeah and it's like a housing issue so i'm like there wasn't room seemingly this is odd okay yeah all right so here's the next one i'm having some internal conflict about not having a friend be in my bridal party and am looking for reassurance. I'm a 30 year old female, she, her, and my friend Amy involves is also 30 year old female, she, her. For some backstory, Amy and I were in our friend's wedding last year. It was a destination wedding. There was a bachelorette party and we did have to help plan the bridal shower. Myself and two other bridesmaids took charge in planning everything, being very mindful of everyone's budget and splitting responsibilities evenly amongst the group. Amy was pretty awful with each step of wedding planning process. And since we're close friends, she would complain to me about it, gave me a really hard time about each event. And at one point, she even told the bride she wasn't going to the wedding the week of the wedding. <sighs> this year, I'm getting married. Even though our friend's wedding has come and gone and Amy has since apologized for her actions, I'm not including her in my bridal party because I don't want her to give the other girls a hard time when the rest of the group is so laid back. I have already sent out the bridesmaids proposals and I'm starting to feel stressed and guilty for not including her because we are genuinely close friends. Am I wrong for assuming she would act the same way for my wedding as she did for our friend's wedding? And am I crazy for feeling guilty? I think you made the right fucking call. I mean, I don't think you're wrong at all. If that is like the only bridal party that you've ever been in with her, then 100% of the time she did that. <laughs> So, like, I don't know. Here's the other thing, though, that, like, clearly she didn't like being a bridesmaid. And, like, my thought process is when it comes to, like, bridesmaids and all of that shit that, like, if you are the bride, you get to call the shots of, like, what you want to do. And, like, as somebody who has, like, been to so many weddings, like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to be a bridesmaid. I think you're wrong. <gasps> and here's why. You guys are close friends. And you said that she's apologized for the way that she acted. Did you have a conversation with her before you sent out the proposals and say, hey, I'm on a fence about, because you are close friends, I'm on a fence about having you be part of my bridal shower because of the way you acted with our friend. And I know that you apologize. Can I have your word that you won't act the same way in my bridal party? Yeah, that's the mature thing to do. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. 
I think that like, yeah, if if she did this without like any sort of heads up, I'm hoping that you thought through for the consequence of that, because like, I mean, you're still inviting her to your wedding, right? Yeah, because I feel like that's just going to make things worse if she is expecting to be part of your bridal party. She's your close friend. And then she just gets this invitation with no bridesmaid thing attached yeah. to it. I don't know. I also kind of feel like, and maybe I'm just like not traditional in this sen- this kind of sense, but like, I don't know that I would ever have bridesmaids. And like, if I did have bridesmaids, the only thing I would want to do maybe would be like a bachelorette party. And like, I wouldn't expect them to plan and it. Yeah, I've been in wedding parties where I wasn't part of the planning at all. Like, I've just showed up like to the bachelorette stuff and then to the wedding and like the planning wasn't part of the duties as a bridesmaid because I think that like there is a lot of it's kind of hard to say no to being a bridesmaid like people feel like an obligation and then when that comes along with like responsibilities that are not just financial responsibilities of like going to the bachelorette party but like time stuff too and like planning and doing all of that that I think can just be kind of hard to like ask of people and then people I think it's kind of inevitable that someone's going to disappoint you in that sense because like it's just a very hard place to be in to say no to something and then also like it also sucks to the bride or the rest of the bridal party if you don't like step up and do what's expected of you but also like it's hard to kind of say no at the start of all of it so like I mean obviously we're not giving you advice here but like I think that, like, the solution would be to, like, cut her out of, like, any of the planning stuff that, like, she was a terror in and have her still come to the bachelorette party and, like, whatever, bridal shower. But also, like, only a couple people, from what it sounds like, plan said things of the... It's not like every single bachelorette... I mean, every single person in the bridal party is planning everything. Yeah, you just have, like, the appointed people. I feel like if you're a bridesmaid well depending on your budget or whatever like I don't think you should expect them to really do anything except for be there to support you and that's it yeah that's truly it no I agree it's just a weird 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 thing it's asking people to spend most of the time their own money on something that for your wedding that you're already spending a ton of money on but like you're getting married like, that's what you're getting out of it. They're just there to, like, be a supportive friend. But, like, there's a way to be a supportive friend that, like, doesn't involve all of that extra cost. Yeah. It's weird. The one thing I will still never understand is the bachelorette parties where everybody's like, the bride's not paying. We're all covering, like, paying for the bride and all that shit. I, that is one that, like, I told Sydney, I was like, if you do that, I will literally, like, I will just, no, like, that's not happening. Like, as your best friend, like, you cannot. And she was like, no, I would never do that. But it's just, that's hard. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my 
I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function there, it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's, it's so good. I've even like had it on like ice and been like, I'm drinking like a drink drink. Like you can throw a little straw in there and it's, it's delicious. It's so good. And I just, I love, they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes, but also if you're working out, if you're sweating hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah, I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code blame me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress and as well there are reading challenges and rewards 
And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got The Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. <gasps> When I tell you that I was like sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. Okay, we are back from the break and we're getting to the rest of the episode. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I'm an 18-year-old female, she, her, and a senior in high school. There is a guy, he, him, in one of my classes who in general is pretty unlikable. In particular, he's very outspoken on his Instagram about being anti-vax slash mask. Just so you know, I have chosen not to follow him because of this. I know all of this information because he Snapchats one of my friends and regularly overshares. Recently, his whole family got COVID and he tested positive but still came to school. His reasoning for still coming was because he was not quote-unquote contagious anymore. While not confirmed, four people in my class had got COVID right after him, including one of my friends, so I'm pretty sure he exposed everyone, which really pissed me off. His mom, who was also unvaccinated, got really, really sick and ended up having to be hospitalized for two to three weeks before passing away. Of course, I felt bad that his mom died, but I can't help feeling frustrated because this was completely preventable. When our teacher told us his mom passed away due to COVID, she had to sign a card for when he returns to school. I was polite and signed my name, but did not write any message because I truly had nothing to say. I generally try to avoid this person, so we are not friends, and I'm very liberal and pro-vaccine. So yeah, I didn't write, keeping you in my thoughts and prayers, or I'm here if you need anything like others. When class was over, I found out that I was the only one who didn't write a nice note along with my signature. By the way, I put my name right by a note my friend wrote just so it wasn't super obviously standing alone. Should I feel bad for not being more heartfelt? Am I wrong for not sympathizing to the death of an anti-vaxxer? This is a intense one and my feelings might surprise you <laughs> as someone who's like very staunchly like pro-vaccine, pro-mask, all of that. Not having 
compassion for people who die, regardless of if the choices that they made were reckless or potentially caused them to get there, is not helping anyone. And I think that, like, as sad as it is, a lot of people don't understand things until it happens to them and their family. And I think that, like, losing someone you love really sucks. While, yes, it feels very preventable, I would be more upset about him coming to school when he had still potentially had been contagious versus mom was unvaccinated. Yes, we also you also don't know if she had any pre-existing conditions or anything like that. Or it was purely just because she wasn't vaccinated. But I understand being like really, really frustrated that that is like happened to like that. This, again, feels like a very preventable thing that has happened and not having empathy or sympathy for that. But I will also say that like you are so young. He is so young. You are so indoctrinated by your parents at that age that you, most of the time, like people who grow up in like very conservative households, if they become liberal later on, it's because they're college and it's because they got out of that kind of bubble. I don't think you're wrong for not writing something more heartfelt because I don't think you should write something that you don't believe and wasn't sincere. But I think the not sympathizing to the death of someone who was an anti-vaxxer. I think that there's such a cause and effect chain reaction with COVID and like getting other people sick and all of that, that like, I, I think that if you can like look in yourself internally and recognize that like you can still be incredibly like pro-vaccine and be very against people who are anti-vax and anti-mask and you can be like very frustrated and upset with that. But I think if we get to be really callous about like death and people dying and like those people have family members, they have all of that stuff. I just think that that gets into a really negative mindset that like is just not something I think any of us really want to think and believe and feel about other people. I think that the writer, it's not just about that his mom died because she did mention all the other things about him coming to class and then people getting COVID after. I think she doesn't have sympathy towards him, but not specifically towards like the mom dying. That's the way that I interpret it. She's just like, I don't have sympathy towards him because he came to class. Maybe if he didn't come to class, then she would have gave something that was more heartfelt because what she's writing on the card is for the guy that came to class, not something attached to his mom. No, I fully agree. I think it is because of the last thing. Am I am I wrong for not sympathizing to the death of an anti-vaxxer? I think that you are convoluting your personal feelings for him as an overarching kind of thing of this anti-vaxxer person died or whatever. But like, I think that like that's parts that's like a very sad thing that you can take out and just be like, I fucking hate this kid for coming to school when he had COVID and like being reckless and being an idiot and all of that. But the death thing, like that's sad and that sucks that someone died and like they didn't have to die. But it is what it is. It is what it is. But also it's frustrating because like I read this thread today on Twitter by this woman that she has cancer and it's spread all around her body and it could have been preventable, but she couldn't get into the doctor early enough for it to get diagnosed because of how many people are in the hospital, most of them being unvaxxed. 
and she's going to die within the next couple of years. Yeah, it is so hard. And like, I personally believe that people who are anti-vax and have not gotten vaccinated because they are like staunch anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, like I don't believe that they should have priority in a hospital over somebody else. That's how I feel. And like, mm-hmm. I would feel exponentially worse for somebody whose parent died who was vaccinated if this was somebody else. But I think that mm-hmm. like it, because you don't like someone and because there is some onus of them, their own personal thing that got them to where they are, it's not the same level that I feel. But like, I think when we can feel like nothing when someone dies at all, I just think that that's like, it can acknowledge that like that really, like that sucks for him. But I also at the same time, I'm like, I don't think you need to say, I'm here for you, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think you're wrong at all for not saying any of that stuff on the card and i just think that like people dying it sucks yeah people dying sucks but also because it's happening so much more frequently there's a burnout that is also part of that that is messing with our mental health yeah and so i think that's something we have to acknowledge too yeah no it's it's hard to repeatedly see every single death and see every single number statistic like that as like the same impact because that's emotionally and mentally very overwhelming. And I think all of our brains are going into like traumatic survival mode that like if you think about that stuff for too long, but it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I think signing the card was enough. And if you didn't feel anything else that you needed to say, then cool. Fully agree. Fully, fully agree. You shouldn't have to lie. No, And yeah, when someone you dislike, when something bad happens to them, the empathy we feel is no matter what, going to be affected by how we feel about that person. Mm -hmm. Like, if this was your best friend's parent, you would feel something much different, and that doesn't, like, make you a bad person at all. I don't necessarily think that you are, her asking, am I wrong for not sympathizing to the death of an anti-vaxxer? I don't really think that's what you're doing. I think it's because you don't like him, and I think it's, like, all of these other factors involved in that, you know? Yep. Okay. All right. My pronouns are she, her, and I am 22 years old. The boy I'm talking about is 23. Pronouns he, him. I have known him for about six years. We went to the same middle school, but but then I moved away and we kept lightly in touch through social media. I moved back home after graduation and now he was in the same city as me. We decided to meet up. We connected really well and ended up seeing each other often. We both developed feelings for each other. We communicated openly. He was vocal about how he felt about me. We had a lot of similar interests. This was one of the healthiest boy situations I had been in in a while, while in all caps. However, flash forward, he is moving to another town. We decided to give long distance a shot. The city he is moving to is only three hours away so we can see each other often. But then we had sex and it was bad. We waited to have sex because he was nervous. Somewhere I think he was intimidated by the fact that I had more sexual partners than him. Either way, it was super awkward and he only lasted like 10 seconds. We talked about it. I reassured him I was willing to try again. Practice makes perfect. But when I asked if we could try again, he said, but do we have to? Sir, we don't have to do anything, but don't you want to? Turns out he doesn't. He is sexually attracted to me, but is too scared of being bad. 
again. Am I wrong for wanting to end things because he did not want to have sex with me again until the next time he is in town? It makes me sad, but being turned down makes me feel unwanted. Oh, also the dick smelled awful. (gasps) (laughs) Just gagged. Oof, oof. No, you are not wrong at all. At all. Ew, I'm nauseous. I don't like that. She wanted to try again, so it couldn't have smelled that bad. Or maybe she's just really horny. <laughs> Get a vibrator. Yeah, you're down bad. If you're settling for some smelly dick, some cheese dick, like, you're down bad. Like, you need some electronic love. Oof. Her problem is, like, she's she feels, like, mentally that it's, like, the best relationship that she's been in before, but, like, physically it's terrible. Okay, all that tells me is that you just have yeah. not been in any good relationships. And this yeah. is another one of them. It's just is a different shade of it, a different flavor. Yeah, and an <laughs> awful smelling flavor, tasting flavor. I don't know what you did. If sex is very important to you and this is a deal breaker, then it's a deal breaker. You just have to deal with it and move on. Yeah, like sexual compatibility like does not make you an asshole. And I think mm-hmm. because um, so often in like cishet relationships, there's like this narrative of like men being fuck boys and like hurting like women using women for sex and like doing all of that kind of stuff that like women tend to be like hyper aware and like hyper accommodating and over accommodating for their own sexual needs and desires. And there is a very large difference between like you're not using this man for sex and never calling him back, like ending it something with someone because after having sex and it like, you know, not lasting them, not wanting to have sex like again and like not being mm-hmm. into it and like making you not feel se- like that's very OK and very valid. Yeah, because there's other sexual things you can do that a penis is not involved. And it's fine to not want to be someone's like to be like their teacher. Like you're you're allowed yeah. to like only want to have sex with people who have like had sex before and like if you don't want to have the learning curve of bad sex to good sex, like you don't have to. Yeah. But she was willing to, like she wanted to, but it's him. So if he doesn't want to have sex and you want to have sex and that means you're not sexually compatible. So it sounds like a friend. (laughs) Yeah. You can have a intimate relationship that's only verbal from three hours away. Mm -hmm. Be friends. Yeah. Just be friends. Okay. Now on to, but are they wrong? This is where we're going to talk about current events, people in the media or broad range concepts, things that we're going to nominate the Rachel of the week. Who's the worst? Go for it. Okay. So my, but are they wrong? Rachel of the week is a trend that I've seen constantly on social media. And there was one specific TikTok that I saved, which remind me to send to you so we can include it in the description down below. And it's about the filming of unsheltered people on social media. Mm -hmm. And even just the narrative of how we talk about unsheltered people in general. I feel like it is one of the last groups that has received no understanding or empathy from Gen Z and like the liberal, very progressive people, that it feels like it is something that is still okay to use as a punchline or as something funny. And I see these people posting these videos of like unsheltered people in like New York, like dancing in a fountain or doing something. And it's like, I want whatever drugs they're on. And then you scroll back to their profile and they're like talking about like, 
like like harm reduction and like how like the opioid and all of this stuff that it, there's this massive disconnect there. And with the unsheltered population growing exponentially everywhere and especially in like very in, in cities, it is happening more and more and more that it is like this conveying of something funny and or as something to like be shown as a punchline and or as a I'm going to film this person and say that I pity them. Like that's like the spectrum of it. And it makes me so upset. And I just like, I hate that we see people like posting videos of them, like at a gas station. And it's someone who is clearly struggling with mental illness. And the, the people who are posting these videos are like all about mental health awareness or like all about harm reduction, all about like understanding like how addiction harms families and aren't recognizing that like that is what this is, treating it as if that is like an exception to your empathy and your rule and as if that like living in an area with homeless people is harder for you than it is for them. And it just makes me so mad because all of us are closer to being that person and being unsheltered than we are to being Jeff Bezos. Mm -hmm. Like we all are. Like, I think it's like the average American is like, doesn't have the financial needs. If like a like if there was a massive emergency, they don't have a safety net for that. And like the vast majority of people who are unsheltered are dealing with mental health issues. They are dealing with PTSD. They are veterans and or they are people struggling with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. And mm -hmm. those people all mean something to someone. And it just feels like we're treating them like animals that you're going to film you feeding that like it's like these are humans and there's no dignity there and it just makes me so angry every time I see it and anytime I hear people complain about the fact that there are people who are unsheltered like mm -hmm. do you not fucking hear yourself when you in a home are complaining about people who are unsheltered like it's just the disconnect is so like it just kills me and these are the same people who like vouch for social programs and like all of this kind of stuff but like when it comes to like the actual people who are unsheltered like there is no empathy there yeah i hate it and the tiktok is basically about like why she always gives money to unsheltered people and it's because her dad was unsheltered like throughout on and off throughout her life and like how She's like, I don't care what they spend the money on. I have no, I don't care at all. All I know is like, I hope that somebody like treated my dad well. Like, I hope that like, mm -hmm. and that just like breaks my heart. And it just makes me so mad. Like, so, so, so mad that people think that they're so much better than these other people. Like, and especially anytime I see it in San Francisco, it makes me so mad because such yeah. a huge majority of unsheltered in San Francisco are like LGBTQ plus IA youth. Like, those are kids. Mm -hmm. It fucking kills me. And if you find yourself complaining about homelessness and like things like that in an unsheltered to like unsafety and like danger and all of that, like research, reevaluate and like understand that like those are those are people who are like going through shit. And like if you're not doing anything to help them, like don't harm them. Like don't say that shit. Ugh, this pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Mine is kind of like breaking news <gasps> is happening actively i think it kind of it broke yesterday but this came from a thread that i saw by eli ehrlich you can 
go read the full thing on Twitter. Um, it's E-L-I-E-R-L-I-C-K. That's her handle. So Matt Walsh, do you know who that is? Matt Walsh. That sounds familiar. He's one of Ben Shapiro's like homeboys. Same vibe. Oh, my God. I panicked. There are two people named Matt Walsh. Okay. The one I was thinking of, he played Mike in Veep. And I was like, what? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. I see now. Which I also just had on a podcast like last that just, week. <laughs> I just got panicked. Yes. I was like. Okay. Yes. Not, okay. not the same guy. So he has been using a fake film crew and reaching out to trans people saying that uh, he's making, well, it actually isn't him. It's he's using this woman to do it who said that she just graduated from film school and she's making a documentary where she's cis, but she wants to learn more about trans people. And so through that woman, he's, this is his fake film crew. He's reaching out and he's actually making like a anti-trans documentary and trying to trick trans people into being in it. So Eli, she got this email from something called the Gender Unity Project a few weeks ago. And in this email, they said that like they used a bunch of like notary trans people and saying that they were in the documentary. And Eli talked to the producer whose name was given as McKenna Lynn Waters, which, okay, sounds like a fake name. Mm -hmm. And she seemed like she was like very well-meaning and she claimed that the documentary was self-funded, which was Eli's first red flag. And then she was like, maybe she just came from a lot of money. Um, but then like they offered to fly Eli to Arizona and then stopped responding when Eli said that they wouldn't go. And then they're finally like, I'll come. We'll bring you to Nashville. And that's actually where Matt lives. And it's just this whole thread where they've been just trying to trick trans people to be in this documentary. And who knows how many people actually just like fell for it and they have this footage of them now at this point and it's just a mess it's a whole ass mess yeah i mean already the safety of trans people then feeling the responsibility to be so hyper vigilant that you can't even trust that that someone is tricking you to them well not to be dark but like as horrible as that is i like, hope everyone was like physically is physically safe and like mm -hmm. but that's like terrifying that's terrifying. And you know that they're going to twist whatever was said in the documentary to fake documentary. I use documentary loosely and in quotes that they're going to use it and twist whatever was said for their own agenda. Yeah, and not protect the identity of these people and essentially like mm -hmm. send all of this information about them and vulnerable stuff to like a group of people who like could really put their lives in danger. Yeah. God. And so it actually turned out like this McKenna Waters without the lint, you couldn't find anything with the lint. But when you took it out, turns out that she is actually like an associate producer on Matt Walsh's show. And so it's all fake. It's meant to dehumanize people. Yeah. Someone needs to pull like the ultimate heist and steal all that fucking footage. Mm hmm. Like, fuck that. Wow. Dude, also, like, obviously, like, this is, like, a very dangerous, very serious thing. And, like, I can't think of a better word. But, like, what a fucking loser. Like, that's so lame. Yeah. Like, what is fucking, like, why do you give a shit about these other, like, you are you that bored? Like, mm -hmm. the fuck? Ugh. Fucking losers.
Hmm. <sighs> okay. Well, that is it for our episode, right? That's all we do. Yes. Yeah. That is all we do. We hope you all enjoyed. Again, if you want to go vote, head on over to our Instagram stories. And if you want to send us in uh, an email and let us know something that's happened in your life recently, maybe in the past, something that's weighing on you that you want to know if you were the hero or the villain, send it over to betamywrongpod at gmail.com. And we will tell you if you were wrong or if you were not wrong. And you get to wear like the little angel halo. Mm-hmm. Woo! What do you think Kylie Jenner named her baby? Didn't know she had a baby. She had a baby. I saw this on... I don't know, someone's Instagram story. I saw the other one's name, Sunny. Stormy. I thought Sunny would be a funny <laughs> name with it, but there was this TikTok that went viral that someone said she named the baby Valentine. Okay. That's probably not true. That is probably not true. Would you name your child Valentine? No. Mainly because there's a character on General Hospital whose name is Valentine. Well, his name is Valentine, but mm. same thing. I was going to say, if you wanted to keep up with the A theme, though, in your family, it could be Allentine. <laughs> It's just a baby named You're done. Alan. You're done, Megan. <laughs> I'm ending this. I'm hitting stop. Liz is having a baby named Alan. <laughs> ah, so funny. Okay, well, we will circle back next week and goodbye. Bye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.